Welcome to the Love Witch Podcast, where we have conversations on sexuality, spirituality, and more. My name is Gwen Walsh, and I'm a sex educator, a tarot reader, a sexuality and spirituality consultant, and your host. Let's get started. Right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Love Witch Podcast. I am so excited today to be speaking with Gabriella Rosales, the stylist witch. Gabby, would you mind introducing yourself to all of us? Of course. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Gabby, and I am a fashion stylist and glamour witch. So I am a stylist that integrates um, divinatory and intuitive tools like astrology, tarot, color magic, all the spiritual things. And I incorporate it into um, my styling work to be able to dive really deep into people's truth, their, their authenticity, to be able to bring that forward through the practice of embodiment. Amazing. And I personally have been a client of yours. I love your work. I love seeing other people uh, benefiting from your work. And it's just so exciting. And I cannot wait to have this conversation with you today. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So let's get started. So to start everything off, why did you choose to specialize in fashion and start the stylist witch? Like what is what is the mission, the energy, the vibes, if you will, behind your work? It has been a very organic development. Um, You know, I didn't go to fashion school or anything like that. I had a clothing brand before I moved into styling where I was designing and hand making clothes um, because clothing has always been the most um, tangible and accessible method of self-expression for me. Um, So for me growing up, um, I'm a child of immigrants. Um, My family is from Latin America. So it kind of started like in my younger years, um, really experimenting with my identity um, and especially with my culture and like my American identity, just trying to find who I was amidst all of the different parts of me and my history and and all of those things. So for me growing up, that has been very, um, it's, it's been my most, um, like tangible way of self-discovery. Um, so it's been very radical for me and for me developing my sense of self into adulthood now. Um, so that is something that just kind of happened because I've always been into fashion. Like there's literally, there's no moment in time in my life where fashion was not like at the forefront of like my attention and everything, like even as a kid. Um, So now I've gotten to the point where I just, I feel so like confident in myself and my boundaries and upholding all of those things. And I think a, 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 very large part of that has to do with my embodiment practice. So that's what I'm trying to um, bring to, to the world is, is that is um, the concept of ritual adornment and personal style as a spiritual practice. Um, Because that has been, I mean, single-handedly like the most illuminating and powerful practice that I've ever had. And I feel like we have a disconnect to that the fashion industry is so toxic and so wasteful and like 
you know, the rhetoric around beauty standards and all these things, like we've kind of had the fun and the power of that, like taken from us. And so I'm trying to remind people how, how powerful this can be and how deeply intimate it is for your relationship to yourself. Mm, absolutely. I, oh my gosh, I'm, <laughs> there's so many different tangents I could go on now. And, and I love that, that we connected, I believe through Instagram, right? Yes. And it was just this nice little serendipitous connection and not like, I mean, me with sexuality and spirituality, you with fashion and spirituality, like it doesn't make sense, but it also does. And just the more that I talk with you and get to know you, I just see all of these overlapping aspects of both of our work. And I know for myself, like this might not be the most apparent thing to people who see like my Instagram, because I'm always wearing basically like the same black dresses, (laughs) but, (laughs) but fashion has always been a huge aspect of my identity. Like way back in high school, my best friend and I used to go to the Cape Cod mall because that's where we went to high school. Um, And we would spend hours like combing through every single thing at Forever 21 because that's where we could afford at the time. Um, And we would, I remember my best friend saying to me like, Forever 21 just got a new shipment this week. Like their shipment comes in on Sundays or what? Like she knew their shipment schedule. And we would go to the Cape Cod mall and spend like three hours combing through all of the Forever 21 racks, like finding different pendant necklaces and like weird patterned shorts. And fashion was like this huge thing for us because we went to kind of a, a sort of a weird alternative high school. Um in Hyannis. And it's, it was like, not about fitting in. It was about like, how individual can you be? Like, if you were too similar to someone, people would like start talking and being like, oh, her fashion is too similar to that person's fashion. And so it was very much about like, how can you identify and differentiate yourself through your fashion, your presence, all of that. And even going into like college, um, I would notice that when I wore black, that's kind of when that whole thing started. When I wore black, I felt more protected. I used to wear these like massive moonstone rings on like eight of my 10 fingers. And even my therapist was like, why do you, why do you wear that jewelry? And I was like, it makes me feel protected. You know, it's like, it's like moonstone version of brass knuckles. (laughs) Totally. Spiritual brass knuckles. (laughs) Exactly. And it just, it's so fascinating to reflect on all of that. And I used to want to be like, I remember in high school, I would say that my dream job was like being some sort of like a fashion environmental consultant for like H&M or something. It was totally like not a real job, but I was like, this could be a real job. It should so, be. <laughs> exactly. I know. And so it's just so special for me to think about like the emotionality and the intimacy of what fashion is for me. And I know that it is for so many other people as well. Like it is such a personal thing that you do need to take that extra step to like see it beyond just, you know, clothes at H&M or whatever, or whatever you put to cover your body with and really recognize how personal it is. And one other thing before I continue on to my next question um, is I don't know if I saw this from you or if I heard it from someone else, but there was something about um, like 
the the energy of the things that we own like our possessions and the things that we wear and we even see this in like um spiritually slanted tv shows that whenever somebody's trying to like do a spell on someone they're like oh you know get that that hat that they always wear or that necklace that they never take off or whatever um because it has such an energy and i i know for myself like shirts that I just will, you know, pick up from H&M just because it's $5 and whatever, like, it's fine. It's something to put on my body, but certain things like, you know, the first designer purse that I got, like that is my one purse. And every single time I wear it, I feel so good. I think back to like being with one of my closest friends in Miami for my birthday when I got it. And it just holds this like frequency of joy and confidence and happiness and all of the wonderful memories that were attached to the day that I got it. And I just think that that is so special. So anyway, any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's one of the things that I think um, is a fundamental commonality of both of our work is that we really are proponents of, um, you know, of making things significant, like something becomes sacred and significant when you decide it is sacred and significant. And so, you know, sexuality is definitely about that. Um, fashion is definitely about that. And like you were just saying with like the individual items, like that becomes sacred because you decided like you don't need external validation. And, you know, that's the other thing with like society and stuff and how a lot of people um, neglect themselves, but, you know, do it in a way where they're like, oh, like, I don't care what I look like. Like, I don't care about fashion. Like I'm too, you know, cool or like too, you know, like, I don't know, intellectual to like value something like that. Um, But that is just like, you know, it's just like a, an example of how we've been stripped of like something that we have access to, like in a world where so much is out of control, that's something that we do have control over. And I feel like, you know, when the reaction is so like dismissive and so like, you know, I'm, I'm above this or whatever, like, that's just like, an insidious way that society has like, you know, taken away something that is deeply powerful. Because again, when you decide that something is sacred and is a ritual and is a spiritual practice, that's all you need to make it. So it's always, you know, it's personal to the individual. And that's, that's what all magic is about. Like, that's why like following your intuition is so important because you know, what is true for you and the things that want to come through and, you know, neglecting that by way of like, you know, what I, what I just said as an example is like, you're not, you're not helping anyone with that. Like, you know, like you're just doing yourself like a major disservice. And I feel like that is like neglect because I feel like self-expression innately is self-love. So when you deny yourself that you're denying yourself self-love, you know? Exactly. And I think about even, I know for myself, there's so many things like the bracelet that I wear, like I got this with my two best friends in Cape Cod right near our high school. It's a Cape Cod style bracelet with a little thing right there. Um, And 
you know, it's a special piece of jewelry. Like it, it is high quality to last a long time, which is what I wanted because it is like our friendship bracelet. I've been friends with these girls since high school and it's like so special in that way. And I never take it off unless I'm going in chlorine <laughs> um, because I love looking down at it and seeing and feeling that emotion, that connection with them, even though we all live very far away from each other at this point. And I even think about, to your point, you know, people who are not specifically like you don't have to be specifically into fashion to really emotionally benefit from, I guess, like the magic and the energy of fashion. Like I think about someone like my dad, he is, this is his office. He's very much like a nature-y type of person, um, loves, you know, painting and drawing his little nature things and all of that. And not not a fashion person whatsoever like all of his shirts are all like tattered and stuff like barely hanging on but he is a very sentimental person he's a Scorpio um and he he keeps things for a long time because he's like oh well I, I got this shirt at you know this this nature class thing that I took and so it's very special to him and he keeps that as like a physical manifestation of that really positive memory or like you know articles of clothing or paintings or whatever that his father had or things like that and so it's just like even if you're not up to date on like what Chanel is doing for their autumn winter 2023 collection or whatever. Like, even if you're not a fashion person in that traditional sense, you can still really benefit from taking more time and effort to realize like, what are the pieces that make me feel really good? Do I like, do I feel really comforted wearing my partner's sweatshirt or, you know, my sister's shoes that she gave me or whatever? Like, do I feel really uplifted when I wear the color red or calm when I wear green or whatever? So I, I think that that's a really important thing, especially for those of us who don't really resonate with fashion in the traditional or stereotypical sense well it really just goes to show how innate it is and for me that I mean time and time again has just always been so um I just love to see it because it just it just speaks to how powerful it is that even if you're not a witch or not spiritual or not into fashion, we all do this. Like we all have pieces that are significant. We all have like, you know, our favorite item that makes us feel, you know, a certain type of way. Like it's very natural, you know, but that also speaks to what we were talking about before, how like you have the power to consecrate something as sacred. And so, you know, clothing, it's just, it, it's similar to like, you know, like crystals and stuff. Like you can program a crystal with whatever intention and then, you know, you charge it under the full moon or like something like that. I treat my clothes like that. Like I treat my clothes as crystals. Like something I've recently started doing is, um, for those of you listening who don't know, I have um, a Zodiac bundle subscription where every month um, the subscribers get uh, a, a secondhand, um, like a thrifted outfit from me based in the color palette um, that I create for each season. And so I have a big inventory of all these different colors and stuff. So for every full moon, 
of a certain sign. Um, like for example, the next full moon is going to be full moon in Pisces. So I'm going to take my Pisces item and put them on a rack and charge them under the full moon, under the full moon in Pisces so that those Pisces garments are imbued with that energy. But that's, you know, that's something that I have chosen to make sacred. That's like something that, you know, it's, it is what you make it. And so, and it's just, it's just always funny and kind of like cute to me that like people just do this naturally, you know, and it, it just goes to show how real it is because we do it without like the information. And this has also been, I mean, throughout history, like clothing and fashion has always been ceremonial. It's always been ritualistic only recently um, with all the access that we now have um, only recently has that um, that sacredness with the clothing uh, not been as apparent as it used to be. Um, but that's new. You know, it's it's always been it's always held significance, always. Absolutely. If we think about people putting on ritual robes for a certain ceremony or, you know, the fact that a lot of people will wear a white dress to get married or they'll wear, you know, graduation robes for their graduation ceremony. It's that physical manifestation of the psychological thing that's happening. And it just it makes sense for us. It's like getting if we want to go really far and compare it to kink. It's like getting in that headspace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, just another thing that like our work has in common is that really, you know, embodiment can come in so many different forms. It, embodiment can come through sexuality. It can come through fashion. It can come through movement and dance. You know, it's there's so many different ways um, to do that. And it's all you know, it's all rooted in sovereignty. Um, And that's the most important thing. I think that's one of the things we're here to um, really learn is to like be comfortable in our own sovereignty. Um, And I love that we're talking about that because it's the first day of Virgo season. So that's appropriate with my Virgo queen. So Oh, I love it. Oh my goodness. So speaking of all of that, like emotional intimacy and importance related to all of this, is there, I know that I get this question a lot of like, what's the number one thing that clients come to me for? So I'd love to ask you that. What is like the problem question or concern that most clients come to you with? And what is like the goal or desire that they most want to achieve through working with you? Yes. So I would say that typically my clients know they want a glow up. They know they want to change something. They know that they're feeling unembodied. They know that the pieces and the styles that have once represented where they were in life no longer do. Um, And so one of the reasons I integrate astrology and tarot and um, these other practices into what I do is because oftentimes people know that they want to glow up and they want to change, but they don't necessarily know what that looks like, like what direction to go in. Like they just don't know, you know, they feel, um, you know, uncomfortable uh, trying certain things. There may be resistance. Um, And so that is why I use those tools to kind of see if there's any like you know, really loud placements or anything that like isn't coming through, has been neglected, has been repressed and like look at, um, you know, whether it's colors or fabrics or brands or whatever to help 
um, access and activate those placements so that your full self can come through and shine. Um, with that too, uh, I also feel like a big thing that I have to do with people, um, that is really powerful and is probably one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite aspects of what I do is that a lot of the resistance and fear that we have, um, for, for personal style and experimenting with it is so deeply psychological. Um, it is actually really shocking. Um, like I, I held, um, my perfect style course last year for the first year. And that's a very intimate container where I have like one-on-one sessions with the clients each week. And so, um, we had one week where we were building affirmations and man, like the things that people were saying that like, they don't want to try this color and they don't want to try this and all the stuff they know they want to try something new, but there's like this deep, deep resistance. And so I was asking them questions to get to the core of like, where is that resistance coming from? Like, is that, you know, an internalized narrative from society or an ex or your parents or like, you know, whatever it is, because you can't really start experimenting when your heart is closed to the possibility. And so, you know, that's why personal style is just so intimate because it goes hand in hand with self-discovery, um, you know, with uh, having to confront certain things. Um, so it's very, it, it, a, a lot of stuff gets very easily triggered. And, you know, when you, when you look back at like, when you start to unpack like your own limitations, um, you really start to, to see how it's connected to, you know, to, to trauma or to, you know, a number of things that really contribute into the ways we limit our own self-expression. Um, so digging into the divinatory and intuitive side, and then also digging into the psychological side, because before we can even start having fun, because it's supposed to be a fun process, we have to unpack that stuff and actively create affirmations that target the individual issues that are keeping you um, repressed. So yeah, that's definitely like the things that have come up that I never saw coming. But that's why I love this work so much is because you know, seeing the, not just the physical transformation, but internal transformation where now clients are having fun, just being experimental. It's a beautiful thing to witness. I'm honestly, it's the most beautiful thing to witness. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. And I love that you mentioned that fine line between what is not wanting to do something because it's not authentic to you versus what is not wanting to try something on or wear a certain color or whatever, because it, it involves kind of pushing oneself out of our comfort zone in a way that's not dangerous, but in a way that maybe challenges societal expectations or the way that we were raised or the way that we perceive ourselves. I know that a huge part of why I wear and style myself the way that I do is because of how I perceive myself, how I used to perceive myself, like my personal identity context and how I want to be perceived. Um, like I'm very much 
uh, resistant to certain things. Like I don't want to be perceived this way, or I don't want to wear this because I don't want people to think of me this way or whatever. Um, and so it's very interesting going back to that idea of control and how there are a lot of maladaptive behaviors that people can engage in, in pursuit of control that are really very dangerous or even lethal to ourselves. And then there's fashion, which we're not going to physically die if we never wear a bright red dress to cocktail hour. Well, but- we don't. <laughs> Right. (laughs) But we can feel that way, you know, and so it can be this way of really creating a safer space to, like you said, explore ourselves, figure out, you know, where the cracks and the holes and the red tape and our self-expression is and moving through that. And I know like a huge part of why I do the work that I do is because I feel like when we address our intimate selves and really get confidence and clarity in there, then we can have confidence and clarity in the rest of our lives, like our work lives and our interpersonal lives and all of that. And I see the same thing with fashion. You know, if you can move through the process of going from, I will never wear red into actually, like, I love wearing this red dress or actually, you know, maybe I don't want to wear burnt orange, but I'll go with a burgundy. That process can really reflect in like so many other ways in your life too. Oh yeah. Um, it's actually really funny because I've noticed this in myself and I've noticed it in other people. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I don't remember, but, um, you, you know, because we all go through phases of our lives where we're like really into certain colors. Um, and when you look back, um, it's really interesting to kind of see the story of your life played out in colors because it represents like the energies that were at the forefront of that phase of your life. So for example, when I was in my early twenties living by myself for the first time, I was really into red, um, because I was, you know, trying to, um, you know, figure out like my, my independence and really, you know, pushing forward, uh, with the things that I wanted to pursue and like, just very bold, very action oriented. Um, you know, then the past couple of years, I've been really into, uh, light pink, um, particularly during the pandemic. And that is reflective of, um, specifically self-love. So that was like where my journey was at. And now I'm like really into hot pink and hot pink is like more about like self-respect. I feel like it's like the adult version of like baby pink, you know, it's like the adult pink. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's just, it's interesting to look back and kind of see like the energetic flow of your life through, um, reflected through the colors you were into or not into. Um, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating. Absolutely. I know. And even expanding into like digital fashion, if if you will, looking at if you are someone who puts aesthetic um, energy into like your Instagram or any form of your digital presence, looking back on how your Instagram looked aesthetically throughout the months or years, I, I know for myself, like both the way that my Instagram looked and the way that I was dressing, like 
in the beginning of the pandemic, it was a lot of like very light, soft colors. And that was also when I started wearing like white and nudes, especially at home. And I think that that really spoke to like what was going on for me emotionally in like refinding a sense of safety in home because I, I've had a lot of home spaces where I didn't feel safe. And so moving back in with my family at the beginning of the pandemic and refiguring out what it felt like to feel safe in a home space was really beautiful and definitely reflected in like all of those light pinks and whites. And then later on, as I was kind of going through kind of like you said, a journey of really wanting to um, impress my power on myself and others, I noticed that I would do a lot of reds and that didn't feel very authentic to me. But again, it speaks to that really important part of the journey of figuring out your sense of power. And like, especially when you're younger, being like, I am powerful, and I have to prove it to people. And then later on moving into, uh, you know, now I'm doing a lot of like greens and really going back to what I feel are my roots in that sense. Mm -hmm. And that to me feels like I am powerful, but I don't have to prove it or shove it in people's faces. But again, different colors will mean different things to different people. Yeah. I also kind of like to use colors as a kind of like fake it till you make it thing, because mm. a lot of colors, like, you know, for someone who is a little more shy or a little more timid, wearing red could be like really challenging because that's just, mm. you know, not, but like, you know, let's say they've got like a first house, like Aries stellium. It's like, okay, well maybe you should be wearing red, you know, like maybe mm -hmm. there's something that, you know, is lying dormant there. And so sometimes that can, um, act as, you know, like exposure therapy kind of. So it's like, you know, you, you embody that because sometimes when an energy is so, um, unfamiliar to be aligned within, it can feel really uncomfortable. So it just kind of like gets you to that point. Like if you're trying to build confidence or, you know, establish your leadership or whatever, like you can, you can use the, uh, things like that as a tool. And that's, that's one of the things that I teach, especially with color, because it's probably the most like accessible way to, to do, um, to do these practices. Um, but I, I always, always tell people to like, you know, work with colors that they are triggered by, you know, why are you triggered by them? Um, you know, I had something like that and it's really funny cause I'm currently wearing Navy blue. So I am from, I grew up around Maryland, um, and the community was very like yuppie. I don't know what other word to use, but like, that was the vibe. And so, you know, I always, um, have dressed very, you know, loud. And, uh, I always felt like a freak show. Like when I was in Maryland, I felt very, you know, people were always like, what costume is that? I was like, this is not a costume, but, um, so I had a lot of triggering stuff with the color Navy blue, because it reminded me of like that yuppie energy suits, you know, it also reminded me of like cops and like all this stuff. So I, um, really was like not into blue, like at all, like particularly navy blue, like I hated it. Um, and then I learned um, that uh, navy blue is the color association for Virgo and Virgo and the color navy blue, it, it uh, represents responsibility and authority and wisdom. That's all the things that like, 
you know, politicians and cops and stuff like should be, that's what they should be. And so I had to confront my own, um, you know, my own, my own shit (laughs) with, uh, with like my hometown and all the things that I felt about it because I moved, you know, across the country, like everything, there was a lot of unhealed stuff there. And, uh, it's really funny too, because in my chart, my fifth house is, um, in Virgo and fifth house is like the house of creativity and joy and fun and all of those things. So I had to, I had to confront my issue with that color and like dig deeper into why it was such an issue. And I have been in a place where I've healed my relationship with that color. And it's funny because now I was just going through like my Virgo, like capsule season wardrobe yesterday. And I was like, damn, I have like so much blue stuff now. And there's like, it's like some of my favorite items in my closet. So it's, it's just interesting how it can also be a tool, um, you know, for self-reflection and confrontation for all the things that, you know, lie unhealed. Like that's a lot of stuff that can be brought up by fashion. It's really interesting. Absolutely. And that is so funny that you used that specific example, because now that I think about it, like I hate navy blue with a passion like (laughs) oh my god I hate it like I I think I remember one time maybe it was my mom or something I was looking at a piece of clothing and I wanted it in black and they like didn't have it in black or something and my mom was like well look they have it in navy blue like that's close enough right and I was like no it is not (laughs) it's not the same and I think that it's because like you said navy blue to me has always been this color of like like the uh, I feel so like like faux I know I feel so like faux punk saying this but it's like the color of the establishment (laughs) it kind of is you know yeah and it's also like that that also is what made me really dig into the color because it stands for authority and responsibility, but it also stands for wisdom. So it also helped me be like these positions that people are in that are the reason I'm triggered by this color. Like this is not supposed to be this way. Like this is like an abuse of, you know, that power, that energy, all those things. And so I have to come to my own peace to know that this is, this is not an authentic representation of what this color is supposed to represent. Absolutely. And I I love that you frame it that way because like doing my own reflection on it, navy blue was one of the colors of the uniform that I wore when I went to Catholic school. And Catholic school, of course, was uh, (laughs) one of the reasons that I became who I am today, um, but not for a very good, not super happy. Um, And so thinking about that, like, no wonder if I was forced to wear this very specific uniform, my knee socks were navy blue, my cross tie was navy blue, all of that. And it was like, I was forced to wear this color for so long. And it represented something. I don't think all of Catholicism is bad or anything, but it was something that was forced upon me that I didn't really, exactly. I didn't really consent to it. Um, And thinking about it now, you know, the grad school that I'm going to, one of their colors is navy blue. And the way that I receive that now is that 
this is an opportunity for me to empower myself with wisdom to become kind of like you said, the way that a leader should be, to be able to contribute to one of those positions of leadership, hopefully, and social good in a way that I do consent to, in a way that feels good and empowering for me and for the people I serve. So very fascinating full circle moment there with with all the Virgo. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because it also gives you the opportunity to confront those unsavory feelings you have, not only through the color, but also through the educational system. System, which, you know, just makes it that much more powerful. Um, so I that's so exciting, you know, because I know that, you know, what you're going to school for like this is, you know, this is all your choice, right? So it just it gives you the opportunity to really redefine that in a way that is not only powerful, but will will support um, your journey through that, especially because you are a Virgo and that's like the color association, right? So I'm excited to see that journey for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I know I'm, I'm really excited too. So going off of that, I know you've spoken about this a little bit so far in our conversation, but to ask you more straight up, how does witchcraft and astrology inform your styling work? Like, are there specific strategies that you use or types of all of that kind of stuff? Illuminate us. (laughs) Um, so, so it's really interesting because, you know, I use the tools that I've mentioned, like, you know, I'm a trained astrologer, tarot reading. Um, I, am, you know, currently taking classes in like color psychology. Um, cause I definitely feel like color psychology and color magic are really just the same thing. It's just the logical and intuitive side of the same subject. Um, but to be honest, I mean, the way that a lot of this came, came about was like, I, I wish I could explain it further, but honestly, it just like kind of comes through. Like I, you know, a lot of the the colors and like the fabrics and the brands and all these things that I've kind of like, you know, um, allocated to like different signs, elements, planets, all these things, um, you know, a lot of it came through study, but a lot of it was just very intuitive. And so that's actually what led me to Um, you know, to create the the title, like the stylist, witch and stuff, because I've, I've been doing this like my whole life, Um, you know, just, just naturally. And so I I wish there was a better way to explain it. Like I use the tools that I do to really, um, you know, to like hone in and focus and really make things like more individualized and, and, um, you know, with more specifications and things. But a lot of the time, like, I can just like, feel it like I can just see it like you know people's people's potential and what that like looks like like I I experience so much of the world through through color and through energy and it, it becomes like a language like that's something that I'm actually working on right now is like de- uh, developing my new divination method that is called wardrobe divination where I can read your closet like I would read you know, your birth chart or like a tarot spread. So I'm, I'm in the process of figuring out how to articulate what actually happens when it like comes through. But for those who don't know, um, I am a Taurus rising sun, moon, and Venus. So I have all this consolidated Taurus energy in my first house. 
Um, and yeah, like it just, it, it, it's just Venus like coming through. Like, I don't even know, you know, it's like uh. overwhelming. And so I, I'm just glad that I've been able to, you know, make this like a job and career because I literally cannot even help myself. Like I, I just, it just, it's all I see. Like it's how I experience the world truly. So the methods that I incorporate are really to kind of like make sense of it all because it just comes through. And I'm like, I got to be able to like communicate this, you know, cause it's, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I, I love that idea of like career and purpose, um, being, Obviously, that this is not true for everyone, but I love when it happens of career and purpose being like the thing that you cannot help but doing. And that yeah. resonates for me so much. Oh, my gosh. And I love how you talk about color as an intuitive language because that's one of my main intuitive languages in tarot. Like I just had a tarot client last night and I always like whenever I'm doing a reading – I'm usually like, oh, before I even turn the cards over, I'm like, well, this card feels like like a deep ocean blue and this card feels like a robin's egg blue or teal or it feels bright red and inflamed or whatever. And I was talking with this client about how it is kind of ironic that like I pretty much exclusively wear black. And yet when I get into a tarot reading, I'm like talking about all the colors of the rainbow here as if, as if they're my best friends. <laughs> and it just that was always something that made so much sense to me. So it's kind of fascinating, the whole like cosmic balance of like, that is such a, an intimate and familiar intuitive language for me. But in terms of adorning myself, I'm like, all black, baby. <laughs> I mean, all black is really a combination of all colors, is it not? So <laughs> Exactly. And, and I love what you mentioned earlier about like, utilizing astrology in an expansive way in terms of like looking at someone's chart not in the sense of oh well you're a gemini so you can only wear yellow and you'll feel bad if you wear black but yeah. looking at it in terms of like oh if you're a virgo sun you know what colors make you feel safe versus what colors might inspire you to reach more towards your midheaven or you know harness that energy of your Aries stellium or whatever. I, I really love when people utilize astrology and any form of divination in a really expansive way, as opposed to like, oh, you're, you're, you have so much Taurus. So like you're exclusively you're, supposed to wear green and like, yeah. yeah, screw you if you want to wear red, because like, no, yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why I value um, those, those tools and those systems so much for my work, because particularly within styling, um, you know, I have a lot of clients that will initially ask me about, you know, their body type or their skin tone. And like, I do not focus on those things in my work. Um, first of all, because the standards that uphold those are very racist, fat phobic, queer phobic, like all those standards are just rooted in bullshit. <laughs> um, so, you know, I have a lot of people ask me about that because, and that's one of the things with fashion is like, I feel like these systems, I don't know, people will read you know, whatever about their body type or their skin tone. And they get so fixated on that, that it becomes like this huge, huge limiting factor. Um, and so for me, 
fashion is about what is possible. It's not about, it's about expansion. It's not, it, it should never be a limiting thing. So that's why I prefer to like use those tools because like you said, they encourage expansion and just experimenting and just seeing what works and, and being really playful with it. Because again, this is supposed to be fun. Like it's not supposed to be like a chore, you know, it's supposed to be fun to, you know, to pick what side of yourself you, you want to show face today, you know, and to pick out the things that are in alignment with that. So that's just something like, I don't know, I had somebody message me the other day about like the, the kibby like body system. And I was just like, no, don't even do it. Don't even bother. Like, it's just it, it, because it gets in your head, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, this is my body type and I can only do this. And this is my skin tone. So I can't wear any of these colors. And, you know, especially with like skin tone and stuff, that's something that I personally have had a lot of interest in because I feel like there are certain times in your life, like I feel like colors and like matching and stuff is so much more about your energetic signature than your skin tone. Like if you are not in a confident part of your life and you wear red, the red is going to wear you because you're not aligned with that energy. And therefore it won't look good on you because you're not rocking it. But when you are in a confident area of your life, that red is in alignment and it looks good on you. So there's different phases of your life where depending on where your energy is at, certain colors won't look good on you because you're not in alignment with the energy of that color. So it's really interesting to see that too, because when I was younger, I didn't look good in red, but I didn't look good in red because I had no idea who I was. I was like, you know, just figuring out the world and stuff. And now red looks great on me, you know, because I have that established sense of self and, you know, and I'm unapologetic about it. So I think it, it has way more to do with where you're at energetically than like your skin tone. That's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. And one of the things that hurts me the most, like personally, and in terms of looking at society is the idea that our bodies either are or are not fashionable or on trend. Like we should not be, it sounds so like not profound to say it, but like we should not be feeling the need to change our bodies to fit fashions. Like our bodies do not change to fit into a certain pair of jeans or a dress or whatever. And like one of the most healing things for me personally, like it's a little thing, but having a relationship with a tailor where I can buy, right? <laughs> where I can buy a dress and I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend an extra, it's usually only like $15. I'm up in exactly. like small town Maine, but it's like spending an extra $15 to get a dress tailored for me makes such a difference. Like I go out in this, like I'm thinking of one specific dress in particular, and it's not even like that high quality of a dress. It's it's just like a very, I don't know. It's, it's a dress. It's not like it's a Chanel or anything. Fit. It's all about <laughs> exactly. Fit. And I yeah. went to my tailor and I was like, can you tailor this dress to, to fit my body shape? Um, and she did. And I go out in this dress and I feel like Marilyn fucking Monroe in this dress and people notice 
And it's exactly just, because you're uh, wearing it, right? Because exactly. the energy is aligned. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. And even when like, um, you know, sometimes my sister will be like, oh, can I wear this for my work event? Or like, does this look good or whatever? And I'm always like, do you feel good in it? Because if I go out, for example, in an outfit that I feel like I constantly need to pull the skirt down, or I constantly need to like fix the whatever, like I'm not going to feel good if I need to pull up one side of my shirt the entire evening. And so that's going to reflect. Whereas if I'm wearing something that I'm like, I know this is fitting for the energy of the event, or I know that I look good in this and I feel good in it and it's comfortable or whatever, then that's going to reflect. So that's usually like my style advice is like, how do you feel in it? And same for, yeah, if somebody is like, should I get this color or that color? I'm like, well, which one do you feel better in? Which one would you be happier if I said that one? (laughs) It's not about matching. It's about feeling truly. Um, And for those listening, I also just want to throw this out there uh, because you were talking about tailoring and all that stuff. Um, General sizing is bullshit. So you know, general sizing is based off of the like outrageous assumption that everybody's uh, bodies are perfectly proportional by, you know, our twisted beauty standards. And I would say like probably like 95% of us, you know, don't fit the criteria. So that is also a way where um, shopping experiences for people who don't fit into that, which is most of us, um, shopping experiences become uh, forms of rejection that we internalize. And so I always, always encourage every single client of mine, I am serious, every single client to get comfortable um, establishing a relationship with a tailor because that you know, we're talking about how my priority with fashion is to, is to um, highlight what is possible. And so it's the same thing with tailoring where like now you can go out and shop and it can be fun because when you're like, okay, it fits me where it's supposed to here, but like this could be taken in a little bit. I'm not going to not get it. Now I have permission to get it and know that I can have it adjusted. And so it opens up a world of possibility um, that really brings that joy into it again. So for everybody listening, fuck general sizing and get comfortable with a tailor. Because like you were saying, um, you know, tailoring is pretty accessible too. like on average, like a, you know, a hem or like whatever will be on average, like maybe 20 bucks. So um, it's it's totally, totally worth it. Absolutely. I know. I remember one time I brought in my tailor is like absolute magic. Like Debbie is an angel on earth. (laughs) And I brought in this jacket that I got once and I literally like I put it on before I got it tailored and I I looked like Keanu in the Matrix. I was like, (laughs) this is not the look I'm going for. (laughs) And it's because the jacket was so long. It was meant for someone who had like mile long legs and that I do not have. And so, and it like kind of made me feel bad about myself. I was like, oh, I'm not particularly short, but Debbie helped me out here. And (laughs) she did. And like, it, it costs a little more to get a wool coat tailored. But after she fixed it up a little bit, I was like, okay, like I feel good wearing this now. And it just it makes you feel better in your body 
which is such a healing thing, especially for those of us who are perceived as female or identify as female in the world. There is so much like, I just have these moments remembering the feeling, like you said, of rejection being in like the H&M dressing room and having brought in a whole pile of clothes and just feeling so like distraught because I felt like nothing fit me well. And I was like, well, what's wrong with me that these mass produced clothing items don't fit me? And now, like it took me a few years to realize, but realizing that it's not up to me to fit myself to the clothes. It's up to the clothes to fit me. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So moving into that, moving on from that, what are your personal fashion icons and why? Let's hear it. (laughs) I love this question. So I have a lot, but I would say that my number one um, is Iris Apfel. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but I am not. Tell me. She recently, I believe, turned 100 years old. And yeah, you got to look her up. She is iconic. So she is, you know, and one of the reasons I I love her so much is because her fashion, I mean, she's literally a fashion icon. There's like a documentary about her on like Hulu or something. I forget. Um, But she dresses in just the most extravagant, unapologetic, like just fucking glamour. And like, she's phenomenal. She's got these huge glasses. Like I'm seeing her right now and I'm loving what I'm seeing. (laughs) And so the other thing with the beauty industry that um, I am here to pick a bone about is uh, ageism. And so, you know, for me, I live in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, I have had times in the last few years where, you know, I've been like, oh, should I get like lip fillers? Should I like start getting bold? And that before I moved to LA, I had never considered that. I've never had a problem with my lips. Like I've never had a problem with my face. And it's just like, you know, when, when you're surrounded by all of that, especially cause I work in the fashion industry, it's like everywhere you know, it's really easy for that to like get in your head. Um, And so for me, you know, I'm here for everybody to do whatever makes them feel good. You do whatever you want. I support you. Uh, For me, I think, um, and maybe this is because of like all my Taurus, like earth placements or something, but I really want to embrace all aspects of aging, especially as a woman, because uh, ageism is so is so focused um, on on women, particularly and those that identify as women. Um, and I and I for me, like um, the concept of like maiden mother crone has been really helpful for me because I want to fully embody all of those phases of my life. So currently I'm in like, what I would say is like the the mother phase that doesn't really, I don't want kids. So that doesn't resonate with me. So I've been calling it like the empress, um, the empress phase. So, but I really, I don't know, maybe I have just like an old soul. I'm like really looking forward to like the crone years and really embracing that. And like, Um, you know, when I go all gray, I want to go all gray, like the way Iris Apfel has and be able to 
show that all phases of that can be beautiful and radical and bold and and fun and that that is not limited to um you know your younger years so for me iris Atbell is like the muse for that because she just looks like the baddest bitch ever and she's a hundred years old and is full gray you know wrinkles she's just like living and thriving and i i i hope i think society is going you know, more in that direction. Um, but I definitely want to, to embody like every, every facet of my life. And so for me, that's the inspiration to not fear the, the crone stage and like the older years, like, like a lot of us do. Absolutely. Oh, and I, I was not expecting that answer, (laughs) but I'm really glad that that was your answer. I absolutely love that. And it is so interesting, like the the ageism present in both of our industries, both of our fields uh, for different reasons. Like I remember when I worked as a sex educator at a little shop called Nomia, I would have people who were like 65 years old coming in. And my boss warned me that like there will be people who are like, who the fuck are you? A 22 year old at the time trying to tell me about sex. Like I've been around 50 years longer than you have. And it's just very fascinating, like the ageism on both ends. And also, you know, having people come in who would think that because they're 65, like they're no longer allowed to have sex. They're no longer allowed to engage in these aspects of life that really reflect life force, whether it's fashion and self-expression or sexuality and sensuality. And so I think that there's a lot of opportunity for continued work and healing there in terms of, I don't want to say giving people permission, but allowing people to feel empowered enough to give, to like re-give themselves permission or rediscover that innate permission to enjoy life in those ways that the phases of your life are not defined by just your duty as a parent or a grandmother or a caretaker or an old person or whatever, but you're allowed to have fun, to enjoy, and to fully experience life in all of these different ways, fashion, sexuality, and beyond. (laughs) I genuinely believe that the purpose of life is the pursuit of pleasure. Um, And I also believe that not just because we're humans and we have, you know, our vessels and the senses and we experience everything through the senses, but also because when you're in a moment of pleasure, you are in the present moment. Pleasure is presence. And so I, I just really believe that, you know, the, the pursuit of pleasure is really the pursuit of presence. And there's, there's nothing in this world more important than the present moment. So I feel like, you know, that's a fundamental commonality if, of our work is, is the pleasure and the presence um, that comes from, you know, that comes from making everything sacred, that comes from making um, the mundane magical. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so <laughs> following that and how much I'm still reeling over it. Um, To close out our little interview, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to find their authentic style, their expression, their pursuit of presence and pleasure in the fashion sense? 
honestly, this might sound a little cheesy and cliche, but honestly, just listen to yourself. Um, you know, we are so influenced by what society has deemed as beauty standards that if our personal beauty standards don't align with that, we feel it's rejected and we feel like it doesn't have, you know, it's not important to, to show that. Um, but I truly believe, especially um, being a devotee to Venus, that your taste and style and beauty exists for a reason. Um, especially if you, you know, are, you know, working with any deities like that. Like I, I truly believe that, you know, like Venus and the world want to see every iteration of beauty because beauty is, is limitless. It's a multiverse. It's, it's, it's everything. And so all of the things that we think are beautiful deserve to be honored and shared. Um, so I would just say like, you know, like I was talking about with the affirmations before, like when you catch yourself in like a spiraling moment where you're telling yourself you can't do a certain thing, unpack that moment and see where that is coming from, because most likely it is not from you. And the way to heal that is to do the opposite and to, you know, to, to adorn yourself and treat your vessel as the altar that it is. And that deserves um, the same type of reverence that you would adorn an altar to a deity or whatever else. Um, so just listen to, to your heart and, and give yourself the permission um, to, to fully be yourself and to have your, your aesthetic be in alignment with your energy, especially because so much of us do so much internal work. Like, you know, it can kind of be a documentation of that. So just have fun with it. Oh, I love that. And it, that makes so much sense. Just thinking about, I guess my own like knowledge and experience, like opposite action is a technique used in like recovery programs and ED recovery programs and all of that. Like, and so it just makes so much sense that you would say that in terms of this emotional into the physical aspect of our worlds. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to be taking a wild process this, but anyway, um, Thank you so much, Gabby, for joining us today, for speaking about all of this. Before we go, how can people stay connected with you, interact with you, continue or start working with you? Yeah. So my website is www.thestylistwitch.com and um, my social media is at The Stylist Witch. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, all the things. <laughs> um, but thank you everybody um, who listened. Uh, my DMs are always open if you want to get in touch. And thank you so much, Gwen. It's always such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, and I'm so excited for this podcast venture of yours. I can't imagine a more perfect being to do so, especially with all of your Mercury placements. I just know that it's just going to be phenomenal. You heard it from a professional astrologer, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gabriella Rosales, the stylist witch. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you to everyone who has listened. Feel free to let us know what you think about this podcast episode, and we will see you all again next time. Bye, everyone. <laughs>